Hey guys, and welcome to the Money Podcast. You know, my wife, Sarah, is a nurse practitioner. Over the years, she's been learning about money from me, and I've been learning at least a little bit about healthcare from her. And here's something I've learned. If there's one thing that money and the human body have in common, it's this. They both function at their best if you check in on them once in a while. Another similarity? While pretty much everyone knows checkups are important for both physical and fiscal fitness, few people know that they actually take the time and the effort to do any checking up or checking in. They're more likely to just let things slide until the day when problems get too big to ignore. In short, if you refuse to check in, sooner or later, you could find yourself checking out. And isn't that weird? Ignoring doing something simple when that could lead to something radically more complicated, not to mention more painful. Keeping track of what's going on, health-wise or money-wise, is important and it's not hard to do. Sarah gives me the all clear in less than an hour a couple times a year. And that's about as long as it takes to check in your family finances as well. And that's what this week's Money Podcast is all about. We're going to give you a quick checklist, so in just a few minutes, you're going to be able to review your finances and maybe come up with a few ideas to reduce your hassle and maybe make you richer, too. I'm your host, Stacey Johnson. I'm here with my co-host, Miranda Marquit. Say hi, Miranda. hey And producer and uh, also contributor every now and then, Aaron Freeman. Say hi, Aaron. Hey, ready for that mid-year tune-up. Yeah. Have, have you guys done a mid-year tune-up? You knew we were going to do this show. Have you done a mid-year tune-up on your own? <laughs> Uh, I haven't yet this year because I have been so busy running from place to place and I've been on, I've pretty much been on the go for the last like three months just traveling. So I haven't taken time to sit down and do it, but I am hoping to do so this coming weekend. And by the way, as we record this, it is July 15th. Uh, mm-hmm. The middle of the year was actually June 30th. So we're already procrastinating just when we're recording this podcast. I don't know when it's going to air. So. So apparently we're not really great at doing exact mid-year checkup anyway. Have you done anything like that, Aaron? I logged into my bank account and there's still some money in it. So I was like, okay, we're good. Oh, that's hashtag winning right there. (laughs) So this is basically going to be, folks, this is going to be do what we say, not what we do. Uh, I I have not done a mid-year checkup either. I do look at my net worth every single month, though, at the end of every month. So I'm not completely. But okay, well, let's go over some stuff. Okay, if you were responsible... And checking up, doing a mid-year checkup, Miranda, what kind of things would you be looking at? Or Aaron? Yeah, so I think the first thing you want to do is double check on your goals, right? Review where you're at on your goals, kind of see, okay, well, these are the things I wanted to accomplish this year. Am I on track for this? Or does this even still make sense? Um, We know that sometimes uh, life gets in the way and things get thrown off. And so maybe you need to tweak those goals. Uh, I know that last year in 2020, a bunch of us had to tweak our goals because everything just kind of fell apart for many people. So first of all, just check your goals, figure out where you're at whether you're making progress toward them, whether you need to make tweaks to them, and what you need to do to get back on track if you've kind of uh, fallen off. That's the beautiful thing is that like, just because you're not doing things perfectly, it doesn't mean you can't keep making progress. So really kind of focus on that forward progress and uh, getting back with your goals. What about investments? Aaron, do you check on your investments? Or or if, if so, how often? Well, you guys probably check on your investments as in, you know, logging into your investment accounts going, ooh, what stocks do I've got going on? Um, I don't do that. I have to go and see, uh, do I have any roof leaks, um, you know, going on any properties? <laughs> so, um, yes. So I check on my investments in a different way than you guys yeah, do. So your investments are in rental property, but uh, we're talking about really stock investments. And mid-year is a good time to check in and make sure you've got your balances right. 
because look at the the stock market has gone up a ton in 2021. And if you're trying to keep a balance of, say, 60 percent in stock or 70 percent stock, 30 percent in, in cash or bonds, you, you may find that you've got more than 70 percent now in stocks because they've gone up so much. So that, this is a good time to rebalance that portfolio and make sure you don't have too much exposure where you don't want it. And and I can't say that I did. Well, I mean, checking in on investments, I mean, I do this every day. You know, I mean, certainly we do it every time we do a podcast. I mean, so I'm, I look at my investments. Actually, I'm going to say five times a day, at least. <laughs> I do. Do, do you, don't you, Miranda? No, no, I maybe check in on them. You know, if I'm if I'm if I've got some weird experiment I'm running, like I was doing with Dogecoin a few months ago, like I'll check in maybe every day or two. But for the most part, when I'm just doing my regular run of the mill indexing, or I've got just like a regular kind of value stock that I invested in a few months ago, maybe I check in once a week. <laughs> I, I don't I don't really get too uh, too crazy about checking in. Well, I've, well, I've got as as uh, if you're a new listener, you may not know this, but I've got like 30 different stocks, and I just I look at them all day. Now, so if the market's falling really hard, then I won't look at them. <laughs> but if the market's right. going up, then I tend to check them often. But anyway, yeah, I mean, yeah, and and I think too, like I mean, definitely during the mid year, I do check my portfolio, I do review my asset allocation, I do see where things need to go. Um, and you know, now that now that crypto is like tanking, I probably don't need to adjust because I, I, for a while, a couple months ago, I was like, oh, I need to adjust my asset allocation because crypto is taking off so much that it's starting to uh, take take it's starting to push that alternative section of my portfolio from that five to eight percent uh, range that I'm comfortable with to like the twelve to 12, ten to twelve percent yeah. range. But now that crypto's crashing, I probably don't need to do anything. But anyway, for those of you out there who rarely look at your investments, which is probably most people, and maybe most of your uh, investments in the stock market are through your 401k. Look at it again in the middle of the year just to make sure that you're still comfortable with what your asset mix is and that you don't have too much in stocks and are not enough in bonds or whatever it may be. Um, what, what about retirement plans, speaking of which? Um, it, this is also probably a good time to make sure at the middle of the year you should have contributed half of what you're able to contribute. Now, obviously, you may not be able to make the maximum contribution, but make sure that you've got half of what you intend to put in and certainly make sure that you're putting in enough to get all of that company match. If, if you're not doing that, then you're turning down free money. So make sure that you're get, putting enough in there to, to get that match. Uh, what, what else? What else would you do in the middle of the year, Miranda or Aaron? Yeah, so, I mean, I like updating your tax profile, double check where you're at with your tax pro profile, figure out if you're, uh, you know, the IRS has a withholding calculator you can use so you can figure out, okay, how much, you know, you're going to have to get a pay stub, figure out how much you've had withheld to date, um, how much you expect to be held for, you know, your various accounts. And it'll help you figure out whether you need to adjust your exemptions, whether you are on track, um, you know, whether you're getting too big of a refund, whether you might end up owing money, you can get a general feel for where you're at. And that's not a terrible idea to really kind of see where you're at with that tax was holding so that you don't end up with uh, unpleasant surprises later. Yeah, and there there is a, a withholding calculator on the um, IRS website. I, I'm actually looking it up as we speak. I should have already had it in front of me, but I didn't. Um, but there is a, yeah, I, I'm, I just looked up uh, withholding calculator and I'm there on the IRS website right now. Um, and so you can tax withholding estimator. You can go through this calculation uh, that does it for you. You just give it the information that it asks for and it'll tell you whether you're withholding enough or too much. And you can adjust your withholdings by going to getting a W-4 from your employer.
that's a good time to do that too. Make sure you're going to be with, because you don't want to get an unpleasant surprise next April. Right. What else, Aaron? You got another idea? Um, yeah. Yeah. Pulling your credit history is always a good one. Uh, the, um, the three credit bureaus, they can, they can make mistakes. You know, if you're not, uh, not looking on it, you can uh, make a lot of changes to your credit score just by making sure there's nothing, no errors happening on there. And you do that at annualcreditreport.com, not freecreditreport.com, annualcreditreport.com. Yes. Now, let me ask you guys. Now, I look at my credit score every month because my bank sends me something saying, Stacy, you want to see your credit score? <laughs> uh, so I do that. But I haven't pulled my credit history in a long time. My credit score is 840. So it's about as good as it can be. So I'm not real worried about my credit report, but I should probably take a look at it just in case. Do you guys, do you guys really look at that or do you just look at your credit score? Yeah. So, I mean, I, like you, I, I get my credit score from my bank. Uh, I, uh, and so I check that out every month, see what, what's happening. But I also like to, um, so you can get a free credit report each year at annualcreditreport.com, as you mentioned, from each of the three credit bureaus. And so I just kind of go on a cycle. So um, since you can get one from each of them uh, each year, I just every... Every four months, I, I get one. So it's like, all right, so in April, maybe I look at the Experian. Then um, in August, then maybe I look at TransUnion. And then, you know, when we get to December, then I look at Equifax. And, and you so, really do that. Oh, you that's, really do that's, a good, that's a good idea because I was going to ask you, like, what, what do you pull these in the beginning of the year, mid-year? What's really the yeah, best? Yeah, so I just kind of have a schedule set up so that I can see. Each. Most of them have the same information. Like, occasionally they're going to have different information, but most of them have the same information. The reason I did this is because way back in the way early days of, of, of my life, of 2007, uh, when my ex-husband and I were buying a house, uh, we found that one of our credit cards was being double reported. And um, two of our student loans were being double reported. So it looks like we had more debt than we had. And so by pulling that credit report and seeing that not just the credit scores, but actually seeing how the things were reported, uh, we were able to get those errors fixed, fix those reporting errors, and ultimately, um, you know, get a better deal on our home. So I think it's really important to pay attention to that stuff because you just you want to make sure that um, you want to make sure that things are in order, and you don't want these surprises when you're trying to get a home or a car or whatever it is you're trying yeah. to do that requires. You're like, wow, why is my credit score so low? Oh, let's check that credit report. You can also get some information about what's on your credit report and get an idea by there are some consumer uh, websites. If you don't mind, like giving away your privacy and giving away your information, Credit Karma and Credit Sesame can both help you take a look at what's going on, and you can see the information from some of your credit reports, not all of them, but you can see that information without having to go through the website. So if you've already done your free, you know, like Experian for the year, and you still want to see what's going on, log into one of these uh, consumer sites. Um, and you can and you can see what's listed on your credit report. Right on sister. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, the next thing I wanted to ask about is one of your favorite topics, Miranda. Sorry. And yet and yet I can't do it yet. You know why? because we have to take a quick break. But as soon as we get back, I'm going to ask you about one of your favorite things. All right. And here we are. We are back. And what is your favorite? Could you guess what I was going to say, Miranda? Something you've talked about a lot. 
Uh, well, check on your uh, your 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 health accounts, right? Your well, I presume. Yeah. Well, here so, we go. So the that flexible was it. spending, That's right. yeah, the flexible spending account is not my favorite. <laughs> the <laughs> health savings account is my favorite. Flexible savings account is totally fine, but that health savings account is my favorite. But you're right. Totally, that FSA is is hugely important. Okay, now, yeah, and you could check on your health savings account too to make sure you're getting the right amount of money in that. That's how you, obviously your contributions are limited. So halfway through the year, you might want to have half of your money in there, unless you do it all at the end of the year, which is what I used to do when I had one. And you definitely want to check on that FSA because that flexible spending account, that FSA, that F right there, um, means that it's not it's not all going to roll over year to year. You have to use it or lose it. Yes. Yeah, so, now, some of them allow you to roll over part, right, to $500 or something? Yeah. Uh, it depends on the company. Right. It depends on the company. It depends on your employer. So you might be able to roll some of it over into the next year. Some of them have a longer grace period where you can submit. If you forgot to submit receipts for a previous year's thing, you can do it until like March. But the reality of the situation is, is the bottom line is, is you want to, you want to use that money. So now is a great time to take a look at it, see what's left and then make plans to spend it. Now, how about budgeting? Now we, we talk about this, we all budget at the beginning of the year. Uh, but when we and when we start that budget, kind of like the diets we may start at the beginning of the year or any number of other evil behaviors we try to modify, um, after a few months go by, we start sway or, or, or getting off track a little bit, right? So may, maybe the middle of the year is a good time to go back and take another look at that budget and see if you're really keeping, if you should be keeping track of your expenses and seeing if you're really meeting your goals in terms of how much you're spending and how much you're bringing in. Yes. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. Do you use a budget? I don't use a budget. So I, I don't use a budget budget, but I have like a spending plan. So basically, I, I, I know like, hey, X, X dollars each month go to uh, my rent. X dollars each month go to insurance. X dollars each month go to my fancy isn't that new a, isn't car that payment. A budget? <laughs> well, not not really because I don't necessarily say like because I know where the money's going and it's all automated. Uh, so I know that it's going there and it's automatically going out. But I don't. But then, as far as the necess necessities go, it's all taken care of automatically, right? I have automatic payments for all these things, um, so I don't have to sit down and do it every month. And then everything else, I just spend the money until it's gone. Like I don't have like an entertainment category because it's like, well, the, 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 the vitals are taken care of. So it doesn't matter whether I'm spending something on dining out or going to the movies, right? Because the vital things are taken care of. So I don't, I don't sit down each month and be like, how much am I going to spend on entertainment this month? I just don't like, I don't, you know, it's like, I know it's covered. I know the vitals are taken care of. That's all done automatically. And so I don't actually sit down and review my budget. Now I do like to go through and track my spending, make sure that, okay, Oh, this is a little weird thing. Why did I spend on this? Oh, this was an impulse purchase that doesn't match my values. And now I have remorse. So then I'll like, then I'll shift or I'll like look through and say, geez, like recently, I was like, geez, I mean, I was using the Hulu live account a lot during like maybe football season, right? Because like friends were coming over, we were watching some games, but now I'm not using it at all. So why am I paying $65 a month for Hulu live? Okay, well, I'm going to cancel that section, right? So I do go through and track check my recent spending, make sure it's lining up with my values, making sure it's stuff that I'm, you know, actually want to do because occasionally we all kind of get out of sync there. But I don't have a budget where I sit down every month and be like, okay, this is how much is going to whatever. It's well, I, I want to <laughs> add what you're talking about there, the uh, the auto payment systems, uh, 
mid-year checkup, definitely go through and make sure your auto payments are are correct because they can make a lot of mistakes. And then on top of that, it's very easy to get on your phone and start buying things or buying apps or buying whatever, buying these little subscriptions, and you forget that you did these things. Excellent. And maybe idea. you're not using them. So you need to go through that stuff and make sure it's it's knocked off because auto pay can get you in a bind. Yes. Yeah. And it's and some of these things are hard to get out of, but you could easily be paying something that you loved a year ago. And you, now you no longer look at it at all or care about and and you're right. still yeah. paying it every year because you're not paying that close of attention. And a lot of times, especially when something's really inexpensive, um, like, you know, three dollars a month, whatever. And, and, you know, you're not using it anymore. And every now you need to see the three bucks. But, you know, it's going to be a big pain in the butt to go and get that thing removed. So it's it's you just ignore it. But now's the time maybe once a year. Or middle of the year, get rid of those stupid things. You're, that even if it's only three dollars, get rid of it. Why, why have it annoy you? Get rid of that expense. And you know, another thing too, though, if you are paying now, uh, middle of the year is a good time to review the fees you are paying. Like for example, maybe you're paying too much for your cable, uh, and and there are if you don't want to deal with it yourself by calling them up and asking for a better deal, there are services like Bill Cutters and Truebill that'll do that for you. Uh, they're going to keep twenty, I think twenty five percent of the money, fifty percent of the money. I can't remember now what it is. They keep they keep part of what they save you, but if they can't save anything, they don't cost you anything. So you, you might as well do that too. Um, it, there's I've got I've only got one other thing. I don't know about you guys, and that and that is insurance. Um, you you really want to take a look at your insurance. Uh, in middle of the year is good. End of the year is also good. Um, for two reasons. One, make sure you don't have insurance you don't need. Like if you're like me, sixty five years old. Uh, there's no reason for me to have life insurance anymore. I'm self-insured essentially by my savings. So you can just, do I still need these types of insurance? Uh, disability, I may be self-insured for that too. Uh, or if it, obviously if I stopped working, then I certainly wouldn't need disability either. So there, you could, the types of insurance you have, you want to review. And also, obviously, how much you're paying for it. I mean, you can go to moneytalksnews.com and other places, and you can get quotes on car insurance, home insurance, health insurance, all kinds of stuff, and just make sure that you're paying the right amount. Uh, because, you know, insurance companies, they love to make things complicated. Why? Because they know you're not going to switch. They know that, you, that you'd rather watch TV than go through some policy and, and shop around for a better price. And, so, and they know that. Well, call them at the game. Because you can do this during a commercial break. You can go on one of these websites. Like I said, you can go to moneytalksnews.com or other places, plug in what you've got, and they'll tell you if you, they can get you a better deal. You can do it literally in a commercial break. And so don't, don't let insurance companies take advantage of you. So in the middle of the year is a great time to do that. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a really important point. And I actually just, I actually just, um, you know, did a quick insurance quote, uh, because I, I bought a new car. And so, you did? uh, yeah, so I just wanted to make sure. So with my new car, I went ahead and did some new insurance quotes and the insurance I'm with is still the cheapest. So away we go. Well, wait, wait a minute now. What kind of car did you buy? This is exciting. Yeah, I bought a 2022 Subaru Outback Wilderness. Like it's the new wilderness trim. I've heard wow. so much, so many positive things about Subaru Outbacks. I mean, there's, oh. there must be awesome cars. I, I can't tell you how many people have told me they love them. Yeah, it's a nice car for a good price. You, you, yeah, you and would I, think that we were giving, doing a commercial here for Subaru. We are not. We are <laughs> not. But really anyway, but yes. But I did go ahead and, and just kind of do a quick check, get some new quotes, um, because I wanted to make sure that I, uh, that I uh, had, uh, uh, had, the best, uh, had the best stuff. So now what, but I'm re what I'm reading, Miranda, is it seems like there's no cars on any lots. I mean, you look at the news and the car lots are all empty and you can't buy a car and 
used cars are going up a whole bunch and blah, blah, blah. Was it easy for you to find a car? Uh, yeah. So, well, it was actually hard to find the wilderness trim because it is a limited trim and it is a new trim. And so it was actually uh, interesting that I was able to find one here in Idaho Falls. I got it right off the uh, right off of the truck. It was great. Cool. And so, um, so yeah, so I really, so I was lucky there. Um, and also there's some great incentives for new cars right now. It's the used car market. That's pretty, uh, pretty scary. Glows right now. Well, you know, I drive, yeah, I read I that. I read that oh, new ahead. cars are cheaper than used. Go ahead, Aaron. What were you going to say? No, I just said I, I I was reading a few articles that new cars are actually cheaper than the used ones. Yeah, and some I, of them are. We we wrote an article on that on Money Talks News. Yeah, and and actually, the funny thing is that this happened. This actually happened ten years ago when I bought my other Subaru, and it was the same deal where. Uh, the new car was actually $3,000 less than the used car. And so, and, and the same thing's happening now where it wasn't quite to the point because, because like I said, this is a 2022 uh, and it's a new trim and it's in high demand already. And so it's kind of hard to find. So I wasn't able to get it for cheaper, but uh, it was only a couple thousand dollars more than like a 2020 or a 2019. And so the extra $2,000 for something brand new and this cool new trim, I was like sold. Cool. I've never owned a new car. And here's what I was going to tell you too, though. I, I drive a 2009 Mercedes S550. It's got 50,000 miles on it. I bought it with 35,000 miles on it six years ago or seven years ago. Now it's got 50,000 miles. Anyway, point is, this car was only worth about $12,000 a few years ago, I mean, a few months ago. Now it's worth 17,000. It's literally wow. gone up 50%. And, and yes, for those of you uh, out there listening, I am a multimillionaire. And yes, I do drive a $12,000 car. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Oh, well. And by the way, we, we're going to try to cut it short today, keep it to half an hour. So let's, if you guys don't have anything else to add to this topic, let's go ahead and move to our questions of the day. Uh, so we'll have enough time to squeeze these things in here. Um, I, I'll ask, um, well, you, why don't you ask me the first question, Miranda, and I'll ask you the next one. So this is, this is a question from Callie Girl. It says, I've been a member for quite a while and appreciate the helpful information you've shared. Yay. Here's my question. I'm thinking about adding an additional unit to be built in the back of my single family investment property, which is paid in full as my primary and as is my primary residence. I'm researching uh, refinancing cash out lending programs, which is better investment property 30 year at 3.625% rate closing 2900, no points down PNI 981 or primary residence 30 year 3.5% rate, no points, no fees PNI 943. What are your thoughts? There's not a huge difference between those two, but it might make a difference over 30 years. So what have you got, Stacey? Well, okay. Let, let, let me recap for those of you out there who aren't quite clear on all this stuff is PNI means principal and interest. So her payments on her loan are going to be 981 if she takes loan out against her investment property uh, or 943 if she borrows against her primary residence. Also, with her, her rental property, she's going to pay $2,900 in closing cost versus none with her home. But, yeah, but, you know, I have to say something that kind of confused me. She said that she owns these, the rental property and her home free and clear, right? Well, she says she's researching refinancing cash out lending programs. Well, if you own something free and clear, then you're not refinancing, you're financing. So you're getting a first mortgage. In other words, if you're, if you're doing a cash out, you could be doing a second mortgage or a HELOC, a home equity line of credit or home equity loan or a second mortgage. Um, but if, you're, if you don't owe anything on your house, then you're really just taking out a first mortgage. 
so uh, giving hopefully that's what she meant because she's used she's she's saying cash out lending programs anyway bottom line is this obviously you want to take the better deal the only thing that i would caution you on the better deal in this case comes from borrowing against your primary residence the only thing i would caution you on is obviously we don't want to borrow against our primary residence, find ourselves unable to pay the mortgage, and then lose our primary residence and live in our car, or I guess in this case, in our rental property. Um, but so with that proviso, I, I see no reason why you wouldn't try to get the best deal borrow against your, your home. Uh, now, remember, too, that you can only deduct the interest on your first mortgage on your home up to a $750,000 mortgage. And if you were, now this is important for most people, this woman's free and clear, Cali girl, but if you're not free and clear, then, um, and you are going to have a second mortgage or a HELOC or home equity loan, um, then you have to be careful too, because if you borrow against your home with a home equity loan, and then you use that money to fix up a rental property, that mortgage interest is not going to be deductible. So first mortgage interest, deductible up to $750,000. Second mortgage interest or home equity line of credit or home equity loan, not deductible unless the money is used to fix up that residence. Was that clear? That was clear. Okay. Time for one more quick question. This is from, oh, I, I know the answer to this one if you guys don't. This is from Tom. Where do I get signed up for Medicare Part A only? It is my understanding there is no cost for just Medicare Part A. Is that correct? If it's free, I might as well have it in case they end up in the hospital. And he goes on to say he's over 65. His wife isn't. She won't be 65 until the end of July. Uh, he's continuing to work full-time to qualify for family coverage for hospitalization for his wife, presumably. A dental and vision insurance through his employer to either, yeah, until she either gets a job with benefits or she turns 65. So he's continuing to get insurance at work to pay for to, to help his wife because she doesn't have that type of coverage at work. And he's saying, can I just sign up for Medicare Part A and should I? And is it free? Do you know the answer, Any either of you guys? Yeah, when you sign up for Medicare Part A, you do it automatically, right? Like, well, sometimes if you don't do it automatically, then you need to go through uh, the Social Security Administration. Uh, right. But I think, Stacy, you can answer us about whether it's free or not. Yes, because I, I am 65 <laughs> and I did register and I actually am on full Medicare now. Uh, my, I was covered by my wife. But when I turned 65, now remember, you do do this through Social Security, which is kind of confusing. You literally go to ssa.gov forward slash benefits forward slash Medicare. And that's then that's where you'll sign up. So it's weird. You don't go to Medicare to sign up for Medicare. You go to Social Security or SSA.gov to sign up for it. Anyway, you you should do that. It is free. Uh, and when you turn 65, even if you're covered by another policy, you'll be fine if you're covered by another policy. But why not? So go there, sign up when you're 65. And remember, see, I don't. I, you're saying sign up automatically, which you'd be correct at, Miranda. Except for I don't. I'm not eligible for Social Security until age 66 in two months. So I signed up for Medicare because I'm, I'm just about to turn 66 next month. So anyway, my point is, had I waited until I was eligible for Social Security, it may have automatically signed me up for Medicare. But I was eligible for Medicare at 65. So I did have to do something. I did go out there to ssa.gov and sign up. All right, then, folks, we are out of time, but we are never out of topic. You dig deeper, you're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquette, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. If you got a question, comment, or anything else you would like to suggest or tell us about, do it. You can just email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing, 
but definitely not the least thing. If you appreciate what we do, then do something for us. Subscribe to this podcast. Takes you two seconds, really helps us. So if you like us, show us and subscribe. I'm Stacey Johnson. And I'm Miranda Marquette. And I'm Aaron Freeman. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We're going to see you right here next time.